0: The last two weeks, we, we started the Belong series two weeks ago, and we, we began with the baseline of, okay, to belong is to be in Christ, right? To truly belong is to be in Christ, and, and we saw this uh, through connection to Christ, submission to Christ's authority in our life, and the fruitfulness that is a result of the commission, um, the connection, excuse me, and the submission to Christ. And then we went on the next week and we talked about, or last week and we talked about how important it is to be connected to the body of Christ and that uh, it's essential that we function together, that we ask the question, what am I good at as an individual? What am I good at? In other words, how can I serve the body? And then the third important thing is to ask the, or to do the essential is do something. Okay? Do something Remember the the Francis Chan quote that just sticks with me is our default is to wait for God's voice to hear God's voice and then we move. Yet for us that are that are following Christ and and we're reading this, that God is speaking to us. All right, Uh, this text is living and breathing. Correct, according to uh, to Hebrews four, it's it's alive. All right, And when we read this, God speaks to us, so why don't we switch our default to, I'm going to do something that I've read in here until I hear the voice from heaven that says, stop. And so I think that's, that's where we uh, left uh, last week was we're going to do something, all right? And so uh, today we're going to talk about taking risk, all right? And so if you pray with me, Jesus, you came and, and you came to set us free. You died on a cross, you died a brutal death, and you rose again. Jesus, you, you picked 12 people and then 72 and then just endless amounts now that follow you and millions of people that call in your name and are risk takers today. God, we have faith in you because of what you have done and what you desire to do in and through us. And so, God, I pray this morning that we would be changed. We would change to be more like you, that we would, that we would begin to take risks, God, that we would begin to live a life that is doing something and not waiting around for the perfect scenario to happen. Because if we look at your life, you didn't enter into a perfect scenario. And so, God, we pray, use us right where we are in the midst of what we're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to share with you a story I wrote, uh, and uh, I'm just going to read it. So here we go. And I want you to do this with me, okay? I want you to imagine yourself on a riverside. You are on the verge of taking a huge chance. You're going to cross over the river, the river, not a creek, the river. As you nervously look upstream, you see the dark green of the forest trees and the blue water contrasted by the, with the white or the bright white of the crashing waves. I'm going to read that again. That was horrible. Uh, as you nervously look upstream, you see the dark green of the forest trees The deep blue water contrasted with the bright white of the crashing rapids, and the sky that is set in the background, complementing both the trees and the river. You think to yourself, I could stay here forever, but in an instant, something moves you, not physical movement, but something deep within you shifts. You know that you're in a good place, but you know the place you're going to is better, So you take a brave step forward to closely observe the force of the current as it pushes by and you think, I know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but how am I going to do this? If the current at the edge of the water is this extreme, what will it be like in the middle and doubt begins to creep in with the fear following quickly behind? And again, something strikes in you like a deep sense of knowing that there is more At this determination, like never before, you push to the place where you're willing to risk everything to get to the other side. And then you pause again almost to battle within yourself to question the route that you've chosen, and you quickly realize at best you are trying to guess every single thing that will happen along the way. And at worst, you're just wasting precious time. And then daylight seems to be fading more rapidly than usual. You become increasingly keen to the once tranquil sound of the river pounding over the rocks that has turned into a laughter as the river dares you to cross. And the laughter of the river only quickens your resolve to cross. You put one foot in and instantly a chill runs up your leg and brings shortness to breath. But the next foot follows in and now... You lock on to your exit point. Step by step, you move forward, waist deep. The current becomes stronger, as does your determination to reach the other side. Another step forward finds you in over your head. The unexpected drop causes you to lose your footing, and you begin a rapid descent down the river. You gasp for air all the while, shouting in agony as your shins feel like they are continually being hit by sharpened rocks. This goes on for what feels like an eternity. And suddenly, you stop as your feet find the riverbed. You are unexpectedly in the shallows of the bend of a river. You crawl to a more shallow spot where you can sit and you breathe deeply and you begin to cry. Your intended exit point is now out of sight and your plan is seemingly ruined. pull your pant leg up only to find your badly bruised and severely cut legs but through the pain though the pain of the cuts and the bruises are great you realize that the tears that are flowing are not from that pain they're from a deeper place a place that is grateful to be alive a place that is appreciative of the air that is now entering your lungs You come to an understanding that though your plan was sidetracked, the journey is not over. You made it to the other side. The pain, the bruises, the shouting weren't for nothing. They taught you in an instant to love deeper, to appreciate the things that you have and to breathe every breath with purpose. Every step and misstep can be a learning experience, but in order to learn, we have to be willing to take the first step. And so today, I want to talk to you about risk. (laughs) And I want to introduce an economic term to you, also used actually in psychology, and it's called risk aversion. And risk aversion from the financial standpoint says this, A risk-averse investor is an investor who prefers lower returns with known risk rather than high returns with unknown risk. In other words, among various investments giving the same return with different level of risk, this investor always prefers the alternative with least interest. Practical example, you have 10,000 dollars. You can invest it in stocks, bonds, maybe a low, maybe a mutual fund, or a term, or not term, uh, universal life insurance, because you know that's a sure thing, or you, maybe you're like, "No, I'm good with the money market, because that's insured by FDIC, and there's no, there's no risk. All right, even though you, maybe you've even seen the performance of a mutual fund over the last 30 to 40 years, and you've seen the performance go from 5 to to, t- five to 10%, maybe peaked at 12 at one point in time, so you know it's pretty good. But you're saying, no, I need to stay with the money market account. And here's what I'd say about this, just from teaching econ a little bit. If you stay with the money market account that earns 1.5%, the average inflation rate is 3%, so you're actually losing money every year at 1.5%. You're you're actually moving backwards. From a psychologist's standpoint, risk aversion is a preference for sure outcome over a gamble with higher or equal expected value. Conversely, the rejection of the sure thing in favor of a gamble of lower or equal expected value is known as risk aversion. Seeking behavior. So we had the financial definition, the psychological definition. Now we're going to go with the vineyard definition. Risk equals faith. That's the vineyard definition. How do you spell faith? R I S. Believe it or not, that is one of the vineyard's core values is that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And it is. And I want you, we're going to look at Hebrews 5.11. And uh, as I was coming to work on Friday, um, I'm listening to Hebrews. Okay? Okay? I didn't think it would be smart to be reading my Bible and driving at the same time, especially with that Tesla wreck that happened. And I don't have a Tesla, so there's that. I have a Scion XB. so It doesn't drive itself. All right? Now, it will drive with a knee. Okay. All right. um, Ellie, ignore that. All right. But it talks in here, we we have this... um, promise in four before what we're going to look at. We have this promise of a high priest. This high priest is never assuming, um, but he knows that he has to go and be a high priest. Um, and his, he not only has to represent the people here, he represents himself and the sacrifice that he gives. And then it talks about Christ is, is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And, and so we look at this stuff that they're talking about, this deep theological stuff. And then in in 5.11, it starts here. It says, a call to spiritual growth. And this is what hit me. Chapters 5, verses 11 through 6, verses 12, just slapped me square in the face. And I don't know if you've ever read Scripture where you've been punched in the face by it, um, but it's an experience where you think, and I just want to preface what I'm going to say is this. Wow, I I don't want to do that. God, I don't don't want to do that. And and then it's something where you begin to check in your own life, what am I doing that limits what God wants to do in and through me? And so 5.11 says there is uh, much more that we would like to say about this, meaning the high priest thing um, that was in chapter 4 and carried over into chapter 5. Um, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Um, you have been believers for so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you're, you need someone to teach you the basic things of the Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature and who through the training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings of Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the foundational or the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God You don't need further instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and and the eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward uh, to further understanding. And I believe that further understanding is risk that we're talking about. Walking out what we already know. But it hit me here in in five... uh, in, in 5, uh, 12, and 13, God, I don't, I don't want to be a baby, and I want to come to an understanding that I, that I know you, and that I, that I trust in you, and that as, as I move forward, that I, I, I'm not plateauing out, if you will, in my relationship. I'm taking risk. And not every once in a while, I'm taking risk. I believe that you're calling and you're asking us to, to live a life of adventure. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're in over your head. And you are gasping for air. And again, if we, if we rewound, why is that important then to be in the body of Christ and to be found in Christ? Because at those moments is when you see, man, I, I, need, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ around me. I need, uh, obviously, Jesus to help me through this. And so we look at this, man, and, and we continue. And it says, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared with the Holy, in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. We talk about in the vineyard, we talk about kingdom theology, the now and not yet, the age to come, the end of the end. So Jesus brought the end in victory, but there's still another end when Jesus comes and returns. That's what we're living in right now. And here's what I want to present you with today is that you, in fact, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are living your eternity out right now. And you might think that sounds really weird. Okay, I'll give it to you. It does, but read the word. All right. You're in the end times right now. You know, I don't, I have no prediction. Okay. I have no rhyme for you. Um, You know, Jesus is going to come again and do the thing in 2018. That doesn't even rhyme. I just realized it as I said that. I I don't have a bumper sticker for 2020, okay? Jesus is coming, quit acting funny. I don't know, okay? Here's what I know, that we're living in the end times right now. We're living in that that age that's between eternity, okay, and the present, okay? That now and not yet, we live in that tension. And so it says... uh, talks about the power of the age to come, talks about people that have shared in this and that have turned around. It is impossible to bring such a person back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. Um, They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again, holding him up in public shame. And I just thought to myself, God, I don't want to do that. I don't, you've been nailed to the cross. You were that was done, and, and you were resurrected. I don't want my life. I don't want to be called a follower of Christ and then nail you to the cross again by the way that I'm living or the way that I'm not living. And it says, When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop, the farmer Uh, For the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if the field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him or how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And then you will not become spiritually dull or indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. I mean, you you know, maybe you've, I don't know, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've listened to a book. Maybe you've listened to a podcast. Maybe you've listened to Scripture as you're driving somewhere, and you're just, something in you is like, whoa! Like, holy cow! And you do the thing where you're at a stoplight and you go back, to chapter 4, and you want to listen to it again, and you're like, you kind of don't want to listen to it again, because you're kind of like, oh, man, that hit me hard, okay? But you're like, there's something in there that that is stirring in me. And so we look at biblical examples of risk-takers. Think about this. Here's a risk-taker. Noah building an ark. Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham, who was promised many would come to the Lord, a vast number would come to the Lord, was going to now sacrifice his son Isaac. Jacob's son Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. That was a chance. That was a risk to take. You're you're coming before one of the most powerful people, on the world. In, in the world, you misspeak and, and bad things could happen, but he takes a risk. And, and Moses' mother, do we think about Moses' mother who takes the child, keeps it silent for three months, and then puts it in a basket into a river? Moses and Aaron who stand before Pharaoh at the guidance of the Lord. Rahab, who protects the Israelite spies. Gideon, who defeats an army with 300 men. With 300 men. And God kept peeling them back like an onion. And that's too many. You know, at what point are you like, is it really?
1: Like, is it really
0: too many? They defeat a vast army. And Ruth, who is so persistent with Naomi. Right? No Ruth, no David. And so these are risk-takers. These are people that are, that are willing to give it all and risk everything to follow God. And, and that's the example, and those are just chosen from the first five books of the Bible. Okay? Or out of no, not the first five. Excuse me, out of the five out of five books of the Bible, there are so many more. So as I started doing this, I'm like, I'm going to be up here for a day and a half reading the examples of the Bible. I'm going I'm to stop at Ruth and Naomi. But these risk takers don't have to stop in the biblical text. think about a risk taker, we think about maybe, uh, what about Teresa Maldonado who stands up here and hears from God and gives words to uh, people on Sunday morning? What about John and Ariana Glenn, Glenn, who uh, gave the better portion of their lives to to see a tribe that is literally a dot on the map, know Jesus? And uh, no, they couldn't just come home and stop they can't. They won't. Ariana said to me last week, she goes, you know, I can't, we have a hard time getting over here to reach out to this neighborhood, but we did do what you said, and we are, you know, we're impacting the uh, apartment complex where we're living. We're having a Bible study there and stuff like that now. To which I said, well, sorry, it's not in this neighborhood, so that doesn't count. Okay, no, I didn't say that. No, that's perfect, What about every teacher here that could make more money pretty much anywhere else, but feels called to educate children? What about every business person here in this, in this place today that operates under the submission of Christ and says, no, I will not bend the rules to get this, but I will follow Jesus and trust Him in everything that He does, and He will provide what about Stephanie and Julie and Travis who traveled to Kenya for 70 I don't know what it was 70 to 90 days? I know for their parents it felt like a year. What about Joey and Janet who go to South America to minister to kids? What about Ray who travels to a closed country to share the gospel and encourage church leaders? What about the intercessors who pray weekly for the needs of others in this building? What about Dan Sebright, who has literally gone around the world to share the hope of the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ? What about you and I who go up to strangers and ask if we can pray for them or we see something's wrong with them and we go up and we invite the kingdom of God to come and invite them and come and invade their lives? We are risk takers. We begin to look at our lives and we wonder, what does our life begin uh, to matter, and I, I just want to present some ideas to you that I've been thinking about that have really been impacting me lately is this, that, that in fact, the risk takers in the Bible, we are a continuation of the story that God is writing, and you and I get to be risk takers, and like we said last week, there are some of those risks we are going to fail at, and we are going to fail out bad, but every risk, if we don't take it, uh, we're just going to sit and think that, oh, it's going to be great here, and we're not going to move forward. And we're just going to sit and we're going to be satisfied with where we are. And I think that's a really great place to be, right? I think it plays directly into the devil's hand, honestly, and the enemy's hand, because complacency is one of the worst enemies that we have to fight, especially in the West. Because complacency is the goal. Right? I want to work... 35, 40 years, so I don't have to do anything anymore. Right? So, we have to say no thanks. American dream, great. Not my dream. When I'm 60 years old, I still want to be functioning. I look around this building and I see people that are older and I say, yes, yes. Yes. These people are still functioning. they followed you for years and years, and they're still functioning in what you're doing, God. Yes. I see young people that are coming up, and I say, yes. Let us never get bitten by the disease of complacency. Let us never look at our time as our time. Let us never look at our lives as our own. And so the question we ask is not, will there be risk involved in following Christ? The question that has to be asked of a follower of Christ is how will I navigate through and trust God in the middle of my risk-taking? Because by God, I am going to take risk. I will not sit around and be complacent in my walk with Christ. I am going to take risk. God, will you guide me through this because I am trusting implicitly in you. And if we ask a deeper question, and I just thought of this this week and I was like, wow, what risk am I really taking if I'm already dead? If I have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I know my eternal destiny. Is with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know that currently I'm living out my eternity because I'm following Jesus who has come, who has sent the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells inside of me. What risk am I taking if I'm already dead to myself? What pride, if there is a body lying up here, what pride does that dead body have? What tomorrow are they worried about? And so I ask, God, God, help me to live like I'm dead. And I am not talking zombie dead here. I'm talking about walking around with a purpose dead to self because my ways are not your ways. God, thank you, but I've got to understand that your ways are not mine. So I want to die to self. I don't want to be this person in Hebrews that is continually needing to be taught about Christ, his death, his resurrection, the baptism, the laying on of hands the eternal judgment. I already know it. Now I want to act in it. And so as followers of Christ, we should be living with a unique perspective on life. Because once we say yes to Christ, we say no to everything else that would come and and tempt us, and we're saying no. No. Now, is this always going to be easy? I don't want to put on a, a you know, pretend show like this is going to be easy. This is take up your cross daily and follow me. This is something that has to take place over and over and over and over again. There has to be a continually, a continuing, renewing of my mind so that I can be more like Jesus now, so that I and my life can impact the people that are around me. So, in other words, I'm going to say it like this, there is no need to be risk-adverse when you follow Christ. You're dead. So we are not counting on something and in our state of being dead to ourselves. We are not counting on something that may be. We are going to act because we know what is, and what is to come. When we think about that, our lives in the light of eternity, we already know our eternal destiny. Man, how many of you want to see the person that you dislike the most burn in hell? No. No, not even a little. How many of you would like to see these people that may have Mistreated you that may have mislied to you, or mislied to you. That's a new thing. Is that even lying? Mislied. Okay, that have lied to you, that have cheated you, that have done all this stuff. But we want to say, yeah, God, I know because I'm being transformed. I want to see these people in eternity with you. You know, and you can go wherever you want to go, your worst enemy, and you could say, that's a good place to start. God, would you reveal yourself to these people? Would you continue to reveal your heart in me so that I can be more like you to these people? Even as they reject me, would you just come and help me to, to realize that it's not me they're rejecting, that it's you? but help me still to operate and to go and minister to these people. Would you, would I, this is just a hypothetical, would you still minister to that neighborhood if nothing happened your entire life that you could visibly see? Would you still minister to that neighborhood? For eternity's sake, would you minister to that neighborhood? I don't know how many kids over the years that I've impacted. I have no clue. I know I taught a lot of kids in 13 and a half years. I think I taught, I don't know, I had seniors, so we, we, we shifted every semester. I count, I don't know how many, 3,500 kids, maybe more. I don't know the impact of what all those kids. Hopefully it was good. I don't know. So I want to end with this question. What riverside are you standing at right now? What place are you at where, where you find comfort and you think, man, I could just stay here forever? But you know in your heart of hearts that, that there's, a, there's a crossing that needs to take place. And it doesn't matter what age you are, you are going to have to continue to cross rivers because you're going to cross that river, you're going to trek a little more, and there's going to be another one that you have to come and you have to face and you have to go through. And so this morning I would just ask you, you know, how, how's that working out? As, you, as you're at that river side and, and you know you need to cross, and this might be a person that, that this could be you that you don't know Jesus Christ, you do not know Jesus Christ as as your per, as your savior, and you feel like man, I need to, I need to know Him. You could be sitting here today, and you could think, well, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of on I'm kind of on pause right now to be if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm just I'm just kind of you know okay is okay, and I'm good with okay. But you know in your heart of hearts and you know as you read the Scriptures there's something more. If you could be here this morning and you know there's something. And you know you need to cross. So I just want to invite you to stand with me. I want you to hear this from me. There is no one, zero people in this room that are not valuable in the kingdom of God. Zero. God desires to use you from infancy to the grave. And I want to encourage you this morning that it it really doesn't matter if you're if you're 13 and you're fighting that, that teenage angst of, of, you know, well, what are people going to think of me? And, uh, you know, and you're not sure about what this whole Jesus thing is, and you've kind of lost that childhood faith, and now you're kind of, you know, coming to get into this where you're thinking on your own, and that's a good thing, and you're maybe Jesus is on the back burner, and you don't really know about, you know, do I want to do this Jesus thing? I encourage you with this. Do the Jesus thing, but, but do it on your own. Do it with your youth group. Do it with people that are around you. Study. Before you say no to Jesus, at least know him. At least do that. Because I know. I had it all figured out when I was a teenager. I knew everything. Okay? Okay? Then I took my first college semester. And then after I graduated from college, then I really didn't know anything, all right? Because, like, life started happening, real life, not, you know, we're all living in real life, but sometimes the college campus is a little, you know, encapsulated bubble. Yeah, you live in the bubble. And so I encourage you. You know, let me tell you something. Teenagers who live under the roof of your parents, guess what? Your parents' faith is not yours. Your parents' faith in Jesus Christ does not directly impact your eternal destiny. You have to say yes. You have to follow. For those that are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I don't know if we got any hundreds. Do we have any centurions in here? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) By faith, that's right. I want to encourage you with the same message. If you're 60 plus in retirement, it's right on the horizon. You're not done. If you're 20, 30, 40, 50 and you're raising kids and it can be exhausting and it can be exhilarating and it can be tough, but it can be really cool to see them grow and there's this mix of emotion that's going on, what risk are you taking? How are you being a mentor? Of risk taking to the next generation. For those in this room that are, that what the vineyard is calling sages, all right? Because here's what the spot is if we cannot look to you the ones that are 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, and we can't look to you and find mentorship and find somebody that is running after Christ, then we are not doing what we're supposed to do. Absolutely not. God invites you as a young kid. God invites you as a teenager. God invites you as an adult to be a risk taker on continuum that you take risk until you breathe your last. So I encourage you with that this morning.